Hey guys, this is with True Crime Paranormal, and this is our very first stop on our first leg of our cemetery tour for the weekend. So we're currently in the Lost River Cemetery in Moore, Idaho, little tiny old cemetery, and we have a few things we want to show you. So first of all, we have had friends. Ever since we got here, we've been accompanied by two little cow dogs that apparently are next door neighbors to the cemetery. So that, that's Myrtle. We named her. I, yeah, she's digging. Don't be too horrified, but they've actually been great, great little tour guides. I'm not sure where her sister went, but that was our first big surprise in this cemetery. Lots of old, old graves here. And here in this grave, or this cemetery, we're going to focus on the headstone I'm standing next to right now. This is a gentleman named David Bruce Bleak. And I'm going to tell you a story about him. Korean War Congressional Medal of Honor recipient. He served in the United States Army during the Korean War in the medical company of the 223rd Infantry Regiment. 40th Infantry Division. He was awarded the CMOH for his bravery in the vicinity of the Minari Gaul, Korea on June 14, 1952. His citation reads, Sergeant Bleak, a member of the medical company, distinguished himself by conspicuous gallantry and indomitable courage above and beyond the call of duty in action against the enemy. As a medical aidman, he volunteered to accompany a reconnaissance patrol committed to engage the enemy and capture a prisoner for interrogation. Forging up the rugged slope of the key terrain, the group was subjected to intense automatic weapons and small firearms and suffered several casualties. After administering to the wounded, he continued to advance with the patrol. Nearing the military crest of the hill, while attempting to cross the fire-swept area to attend to the wounded, he came under hostile fire from a small group of the enemy concealed in a trench. Entering the trench, he closed with the enemy, killed two with his bare hands and a third with his trench knife. Moving from the emplacement, he saw a concussion grenade fall in front of a companion and quickly shifting his position shielded the man from the impact of the blast. Later, while ministering to the wounded, he was struck by a hostile bullet, but despite the wound, he undertook to evacuate a wounded comrade. As he moved down the hill with his heavy burden, he was attacked by two enemy soldiers with fixed bayonets. Closing with the aggressors, he grabbed them and smacked their heads together then carried his helpless comrade down the hill to safety. Sergeant Bleak's, Bleak's dauntless courage and intrepid actions reflect the utmost credit upon himself and are in keeping with the honored traditions of the military service. He was cremated and his ashes were scattered. His family erected a memorial for him here in the Lost River Cemetery in Moore, Idaho. So thank you, sir. For your service. We thought that was a pretty fun one to share. And then the last part of this cemetery tour is we have two 
of our littlest empaths with us and they're going to give us the empath report from all of the cemeteries we visit. So we're going to go ahead and turn to them now and they'll tell you what they picked up on, what they felt in this cemetery. What did you feel in this cemetery? Um, usually I feel pretty welcome in cemeteries. It's kind of like a, they want you to be here and remember their stories, but um, today I feel very get out of here. <laughs> um, it doesn't feel very welcoming, I guess. Feels Why kind do of you eerie. feel unwelcome here? What did you do to make yourself feel unwelcome? Um, so there is a very old um, tombstone with a cup on it. And so when I, as soon as I touched the cup, I felt like someone had just told me like, oh, that was a really bad choice. <laughs> you need to leave. <laughs> so yeah, I guess and that was the very, like when we first got out of the car situation. So, um, you know, I'm just hoping that they know I'm nice and not trying to hurt them in any way. So yeah, I noticed as soon as she touched the cup, she immediately walked away. She came to the other side of the cemetery but I felt a little bit different. Like, usually I don't really like cemeteries and I feel a little bit odd in them, but today I honestly kind of feel welcome and I think some of the graves have been super duper cool and I really like to research them and look at what they, like, who they were and what their life was about. Okay. Okay. Well, that is our first installment of our cemetery tour. Thank you, girls, for sharing. You're welcome. We will be traveling now to some more cemeteries. We have lots of stories to tell, uh, many with, you know, true crime elements and some paranormal elements and some that are just interesting stories. So stick with us and you'll just see lots more lives going on today. You've been live with us here at True Crime Paranormal. Hey guys, this is Katie Weaver from True Crime Paranormal. We are out on our next stop on our cemetery tour happening today in Idaho. I'm going to show you a pretty vast valley here. This used to be an area called Chile, Idaho. Chile, as in burr, it's cold out here, not Chile the food. And it was named Chile because, well, this is Idaho and you might be able to hear that the wind's blowing pretty good so that's probably very normal out in a valley like this a lot of mountains around us but we're down in a hole okay so we're gonna show you we're gonna take a little bigger tour of this cemetery because honestly you guys it's just so freaking cool so as you can see this is like a Wild West cemetery there is no grass there are a lot of headstones. There are headstones from very recently, as recently as like last year, and headstones that are in the 1800s. So there are actually still people that get buried out here, but I wanted to show you a few specifically because they're pretty interesting. So first of all, this headstone right here is a gentleman named William Bradshaw. And William Bradshaw was one of three men to settle this area. 
There was William Bradshaw, there was a gentleman named Mr. Hunter, and Mr. Larder. We're going to learn more about the Larders while we're here as well. We actually visited the Larders homestead. It actually still stands, so we'll tell you a little more about that. You'll notice that William's grave has a footstone. A lot of the graves here have footstones, which isn't something you see very often anymore. Here is Elizabeth Bradshaw, wife to Bill Bradshaw, and again, some of the settlers of this valley of this town that no longer exists. Apparently, there was a general store owned by a man by the name of Mr. Hunter. Mr. Hunter died in 1926, and the store burned to the ground in 1927, and the town kind of fell apart after that. There had been some real issues with the sheep farmers versus the cattle farmers, uh, ranchers, and there had been some violence. And there were some men here who came into town as cowboys, but were actually members of uh, the U.S. government that were here to try to get a handle on the violence that was happening between the two, uh, the two groups. And they were here for 18 months. Uh, just, you know, posing as cowboys and ranch hands and gathered enough evidence that they were able to prosecute some of the people that lived in this valley for violence against each other. And that actually seems to have been the beginning of the end of the Chile area. So you'll see this is a gated in part of the cemetery. And some of them you can't really read. There's some really tiny headstones there. And then we have Mary and baby Herrick. So Mary was born in 1881, died in 1920. Likely she died in childbirth. So this is, you'll see her footstone here and baby's headstone and footstone here. So moving a little further, hopefully I'm keeping my hands steady and not uh, just making you guys dizzy with this. I wanted to show you a couple of wooden headstones. This is Cora O'Neill Fulton, died in 1922. And Bert Bascom, died in 1940. Really interesting stuff. I want to show you the headstone of a soldier over here that we found to be really, really interesting. And on the way, I'll show you a few others. <coughs> so, here we have the Delivers. Or the Ivies, I'm sorry. Uh, Deliver, who died in 1911. Ivy, who died in 1912. So these must have been siblings. So there's the footstone for Deliver and the footstone for PCB. There's several ivies through here. Mary, 1926. This was a baby that lived for about 14 days. There are two sets of infant twins in this cemetery that Or died in labor, maybe. All right, this was kind of.
drive out of the way, but this was too cool to not share. So this is a memorial. You can see you've got an American flag. You've got a soldier's helmet. You've got a portion of their clothing here. There's an antler. There's a medal. soldier nonetheless. One interesting thing about this cemetery is there doesn't, there's really no rules, you know, which I think is kind of cool. We've all buried family members in cemeteries that had all kinds of rules that you had to follow as far as headstones and what you can do and, you know, around the headstone and things. And it's not like that here. People do whatever they want, which I think is a pretty good, uh, a pretty good description. Yeah, the Idaho Code, that's that's a good way to put it. People out here probably do do what they want, you know? And frankly, it's, it's probably how they survive, and especially back in the day, survived living here. Now these folks uh, didn't pass that long ago, 93 and 2019, but you'll see their entire grave has been marked off by rocks and decorated with all kinds of things by their family members, which I think is pretty cool. So I'm going to turn the camera over to Christy and let her finish the tour here. She's got a few more things to show you and tell you about. Yeah, so very interesting how this cemetery is very old, but at the same time still contemporary. There are a lot of people who were, have been buried here very quite recently. Here's um, one from 1985. We're going to look at a couple of the other... Um, fenced off areas because there are some of these I think they're just trying to protect these old graves but it's very interesting to see like here's a fenced off area and a lot of these are just markers most of them you can't even read or they just have a date there's only a couple of headstones in here um, but I think it says a lot about human nature that we don't handle things much differently now than we did when Leo Childs died in 1920, right? We're doing it the same way. Um, it's a very interesting feeling out here. It's it's kind of eerie, but not, I don't know, some of the girls are saying they're feeling kind of scared and unwelcome. I'm really not. This is just very solemn. Uh, I don't feel a lot of, the only place I really feel a lot actually was at the marker for the soldier. And I do really question, what. What I feel that is that may have been a, a PTSD death. Just feels that way to me. Uh, there's really a lot of energy and emotion there. And I feel like um, that is a soul that is not particularly uh, at peace quite yet. So that's something that, you know, you kind of find in, in cemeteries sometimes here is something newer. These are, but here are the larders, okay? This is... We talked about the larders. 
Oh, where in Idaho are we? We are in Chile, Idaho, which is in Custer County. We're kind of between Mackey and Chalice. So the larders, here's Ella Larder and Claude Larder. The Larder family founded the Whiskey Springs Stage Stop. And we'll upload a little, uh, I made a TikTok video about that place. It's kind of a little ghost town. We visited it just a little while ago. But the Larders founded that place and then they have stayed here. And there are, these are the Larder children. So these are the children who lived at that stage stop. It started in Their, their current family that is still living here. You might ask yourself why. This is a young man, um, Warren David Coates, died in 2010, obviously young. That looks like a high school football picture. Just very interesting to see. I've never seen a cemetery like this. I don't know if you guys have, but I find it really interesting what we're seeing here. Okay. I wanted to show you the rest of the larders because it tells you, you know, a lot of this ground out here was homesteaded in Idaho at the time when homesteading was a thing and many of the families out here still live here if you look like there's an ivy we've seen ivies out here already here are more larders and these are more contemporary larders the original people who founded this area who founded Chile who founded the Whiskey Springs stage stop and they've stayed in the area that's one thing that happens a lot in Idaho and I thought that was kind of normal um, for everywhere, but it turns out it isn't. Uh, as I, you know, learn more about the world, that people don't always stay where they were born, you know. And that is a real Idaho thing, that you stay in the area where you were born. You stay near your family. And this, here's a, a Howell headstone. This, this is a, cemetery is a really good indication of that when you see, you know, like a hundred years of family. Now, one interesting thing I'm seeing in like this Howell uh, headstone here, there are many headstones out here that obviously have been placed by family members recently, like this Howell headstone. Um, these folks died in 1926 and 1935. No way is that a current, you know, a, a headstone from that time. This is a current headstone. And I've seen a bunch of them that there are family members who live here who have replaced the headstones of their family members. That's because where we live, genealogy is a big thing. You know a lot about your ancestors. You make a point of learning about your ancestors and respecting them. And I, it's very interesting to me how many of these headstones I've seen that obviously are contemporary headstones for deaths that happened a long, long time ago. So learning a lot today. Uh, if you ever wondered what Southeast Idaho looks like, this is it. We are what you know, what's known as a cold desert. And you know, we're literally standing in the chilly cemetery. That tells you anything about the temperatures out here, but we are a cold desert or a high desert. So we're a high elevation desert. That's why you see nothing but sagebrush for miles. And then the big mountains, that's just what it's like here. I'm gonna show you one last headstone just because I think this is totally sums up this cemetery. This is Joan Weber Johnson. And if you can see the motto on her headstone, it is don't fence me in. And that is just summing up this chilly cemetery for me. If you'll see, there is actually a very small fence around this cemetery. 
but it doesn't look like anything like any cemetery I have ever seen before. I'm really grateful that we got to visit this place. It just gives you perspective on, you know, that it's okay to do things the way that you want to do them. And it's okay to honor your people who've passed in the way that you want to, because they definitely have done that here. There's a very wild and defiant energy here. There is. Yeah. They're very, that don't fence me in, man. That is the, that is actually really the motto of this place we are right now. Mm -hmm. Well, stick with us. Joan did nail it. Uh Stick with us. We will be back. Oh, yes. Katie and I are done and our girls are ready. They're going to give you the empath read on this cemetery. Tell you how they're feeling. All right, Mars and Mia. Let's hear it. So after going through this cemetery, we have decided that we think that you're right about it being super duper like defiant and we're going to do what we want. And like this is our home. This is our place. It feels pretty lonely to me because like there's literally nothing around. Like, for miles, there's nothing. So I feel a little lonely here, and I don't know. I don't like this place all that much, but I think that it does have a defiant, we'll do what we want. Gotcha. All right, Mia, how about you? Um. So when you first walk in, it's kind of like, it is very lonely. You look at it, and it's like, wow, this place is, it kind of feels lost, lonely, but the more you look at the graves and, um, get to see everything around it it kind of it has peace mixed into it it does mm-hmm. and I'm as we're here longer I'm feeling more I guess connected and settled down and more peaceful but when I first walked in it was um very eerie and lonely but the more you look at the people and kind of get to see what their story is it's kind of this is where they wanted to be It's an old practice. Graves used to always have a footstone because it would show where the grave ended. I think it helped because they have to plot out cemeteries to determine where where a plot starts and ends. And a footstone would help with that. Uh, It's not so much necessary now because I think they use actually GPS to to mark out cemeteries now. But I think that's what they're for. But yeah, it's sort of creepy. Like, oh, that's where the end of this grave is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, those were a little different for me too because I don't think I've ever seen that either yeah well it could be that they're a family and so they were fenced in that way it could also be that just whoever maintains this cemetery not that I think there really is anyone but so it may be they're just being protected because they're so old yeah it could also be that family members put them around these to protect them from predators mm-hmm. which, yeah that's very possible you don't know like if you look at all of the graves like everybody do what, like they do what they want to Right. They have them whatever mm-hmm. they want to. It's them. very so, unique out here. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a very different cemetery. I've never seen something like this. Everything else where we where we live is very put together and has all these rules, but then yeah. you get out here and it's like, wow, these people get to tell their own story. They really do, family. don't they? Like the, yeah. did you show them this grave? We did, yeah, the, the soldier. soldier. The soldier, yeah, mm-hmm. that one that one really hurt my heart a little bit. Yeah, when you see it, it kind of hits you. It's kind of like, wow, I 
I don't know what I'm feeling right now, but it's very heavy hearted. Yeah. But obviously someone cared about that person yeah. and wanted there to be a marker for them somewhere. Yeah. Maybe they never came home. Maybe they never came home for more and this yeah. was their way. I don't know. Finish their story. You know? Definitely. It's an, yeah. I get some really strong energy from it too. Yeah. Thank you girls very much. All right. Well, stay with us. We will be back with more stories. We're just traveling our way through Custer County and there are so many cemeteries here. So we will be coming back with lots more stories. So thanks for listening and watching True Crime Paranormal. we're going to tell you today. First of all, I'm going to show you the grave here of Wilfred Keel. Wilfred Keel was a pastor. He went, well, he was a reverend. He was a reverend at the Foursquare Faith Baptist Bible Church. He had retired, but still went to church every Sunday and supported the current reverend of the church. There was a gentleman who had recently moved to Salmon and had been baptized into the church the week before. His name was Pilkerton. So Dale Pilkerton. So Dale Pilkerton came to church one Sunday morning and invited the Reverend to the back of the church where he wanted to show him something. Reverend Keel was nearly blind, was very kindly and always trying to accept people for who they were and to help any way he could. And of course, he was befriending Dale Pilkerton. And so he did follow him to the back of the church, where unfortunately Pilkerton pulled a gun out of his bag and shot him and killed him on the site and then ran out the door. The church was just getting ready to start. There were many parishioners in the room. When it happened, it was an extremely shocking event. Uh, police were called, of course, and a gun battle between Pilkerton and the police saw ensued and shortly thereafter he was taken to the Missoula hospital Pilkerton was where he died. Nobody really knows why he did that. He was among friends. He was in a church where people were loving him and helping him get a fresh start and he just murdered their most beloved member and there's really no answer as to why. So this is where
time his family heard from him was in 2000, and he was just gone. And that was all anybody knew until 2014. Well, in 2014, there was finally a break in the case when a man was arrested for a DUI and told the police that he knew something about a murder that had happened back in 2000. He told the police that he was in a remote cabin in Idaho City, Idaho, with a friend of his by the name of Dauber, last name of Dauber, who had shot Reddington in the head and asked this guy to help him to chop him up and dispose of his body. The friend in question said no, but Dauber told him if he ever told anyone that he would surely burn in hell because he had to kill Reddington because he was such a bad, bad man. The friend went to bed afraid and freaked out and listened all night long down in the crawl space of this cabin to a saw chainsaw uh, going through, sawing through what uh, we're presuming is Josh Reddington's body. And that's the last he knew of it and the last he spoke of it until 2014. In the meantime, the remains of someone else had turned up in the area and the police were starting to put two and two together. And actually, before Dauber had been charged, he had already been charged in the 2007 death of Stephen Calaragos, who he also murdered and chopped up and buried in a shallow grave in the Idaho City area. So they raided that cabin. The only thing they found under the cabin in the crawl space was a sliver of a hip bone that they were able to link back to Joshua via familial DNA from his biological mother. He was eventually charged, Dauber was charged, and he was convicted of first-degree murder in both cases and is now in prison. Josh Reddington's not in the cemetery because his remains have never been found. His family had nothing to bury. But they did get their day in court, they did get justice for their son, and they got to find out what happened to their son because for 14 years they had no idea where he went or what happened. So it's not a cold case, but it's sure a sad one for the family here. And Josh Reddington has been one of, uh, you know, for 14 years, was one of those people in Idaho that just vanished. So his case is solved, but we sure hope that at some point his body is recovered uh, so that his family can have that closure as well. But in the meantime, we are here in the Salmon Cemetery. We're going to let you guys go for now. We're headed back to Chalice to cover one more cemetery there on our leg here of our cemetery tour. So. You are listening to True Crime Paranormal here with the Psychic Sisters. Stay tuned. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.